It is my privilege to invite you to today's sermon podcast. I have made the Apostle Paul's prayer request my own. When he states in Ephesians six nineteen, pray also for me, that whenever I open my mouth, the words may be given to me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. May today's sermon come alive to you and aid you in your understanding of God's plan for your life. Well, I'm glad you're here this morning, church. Are you all awake? Yes. Good. Turn to somebody and say, I'm awake. You know, why don't you smile? Remember W.C. Fields, one of my favorite theologians? He said, smile once in the morning, get it over with. So come on, let's do it. Yeah. Hey, well, good days are going on here at the Church of the Nazarene. So glad you're here. Thanks for taking time to be with us and uh, just enjoying our time together this morning. Um, man, the church board, they're, they're, they're finally interviewing some pastors. Woohoo! Yeah. And that's going on. So continue to pray for our church board leaders as they interview our potential pastor. We just believe God's got us going in the same direction. It's good days, good reports. I was with your church board this last week. They're all, they're all breathing pretty good, I'd say. I checked their pulse, took a blood test. They're all doing pretty good, I'd say. So uh, pray for them. And as has already been said, Pastor Christina Nathan, it's her last Sunday with us today. She's just been an amazing pastor for our children. Amen. I mean, last Sunday we had 70 children, 70 kids. That's an amazing number. And uh, we're going to celebrate her just a little bit at the end of the service. But, uh, um, man, we love you, lady, and your husband, and thanks for being here. And uh, everything you mean to us today um, as a pastor in our church. We're going to miss you both terribly. Uh, and then, uh, you know, in case you don't know, if you're, if you're fairly new to the church here... Um, and you're looking for a place to plug in. I just started this morning my first welcome class with you, or a membership class. Uh, you don't have to join the church, but if you want to know more about the church here at Mountain View, I'd, I'd love to have you join us. I think we had 11 or 12 this morning, and, uh, um, and, and we'd love to have you join us. So if you just want to know more about the church, and we're getting to know each other, there wasn't one person in that class that knew the name of everybody else. So we went around and we introduced ourselves. And you'd be surprised, the people that are in the church. I mean, we have former Catholics. We have Baptists. We have Episcopalians. We got Lutherans. We, Calvary Chapel, Charismatics. We just got them all. So I think maybe you'd fit, right? Yeah, yeah I think you'd fit. By the way, did I ever tell you about the two boy, uh, the little boy that was selling uh, uh, puppies on the front lawn? And, and uh, there was a sign out in front of the puppies. It said, Methodist, Methodist puppies for sale. Well, the Methodist pastor just happened to be on his way to work, and he passed the sign. He goes, boy, are you selling Methodist puppies today? He said, yes, sir. How much are they? Well, they're $5. So he says, okay, I'll give you $5 for one of those Methodists. But I don't want the dog. I just want to give you some money. All right. Took the money. Well, a little about an hour later, the Baptist, you know, the Baptists get up later than the Methodist. The Baptist pastors, he's going to work the other way. He sees the sign. He says, uh, Methodist puppies for sale, huh? And the little boy goes, yeah, Methodist puppies. He says, have them puppies been baptized? The little boy said, I don't think so. He said, well, you ought to get them baptized. They need to be saved, you know, before you sell them. The little boy said, all right, I'll get right on that tonight. He said, here, I'll give you 10 bucks. So he reached in and gave him 10 bucks. I don't want a puppy, just give you $10. Went on to work. The next morning, the Methodist pastor is now passing back again. But the sign didn't say Methodist. It said Baptist puppies. He's going, I thought those were, those were Methodist puppies. He said, oh, that was before they got baptized. <laughs> <laughs> baptized them last night. 
So we're having a good time. This morning we talked about the face of the church. You know, the, the church has changed. It's a different church than when I grew up. The face of the church in America. But the gospel's not changed. Amen. Jesus is the same. Amen. And that's kind of where we're starting. So, yeah, y'all come. We don't even require a blood test. Did I tell you that? No, that's just for the board members. All right, so, all right. Hey, well, take your Bibles and open to, uh, to Luke chapter 24. And in a, in a few moments, we'll, we'll read some scripture. And I'll probably read a little bit longer than I normally do. But, you know, I, I, wanted, I just want to lean in a little bit more into this idea. You know, I want to talk a little bit more about uh, this resurrected Jesus. I mean, last Sunday, didn't we have a great Sunday last Sunday? And uh, had, a, had a great record attendance kind of thing. And I think, I don't know, I didn't count, but we had 45, or, in case you weren't here, 45 or 50 people stand last Sunday in this auditorium to say yes to Jesus, to invite Christ into their life. I thought it was a great morning. I just think I did. And if you were one of those, by the way, you ought to come to my welcome class. You'd love it. And we'll talk about who Christ is and what that means for you. But love to have you. Anyway, so I, I want to talk about a little bit more about this resurrected Jesus. Last week we talked about the evidence or the proof. How do we know that Jesus really was raised from the dead? And, and, and I threw out four or five ideas and thoughts that, that are absolute proof. That the, for instance, the reality of the empty tomb. How did they roll the, the stone away? Who broke the seal, the, Romans, the, the Roman seal? How did the disciples get around uh, the, the, those... those uh, Roman soldiers, 16 to 20 of them. How do they, how do they get that done? I, I, there's all kinds of things around the, the empty tomb when you stop and think about it. By the way, I didn't mention last week that um, the women, the women, uh, Mary Magdalene and some of the other gals, they were on their way to the tomb the next morning to, to, with spices to, to kind of anoint the body for burial. Well, would they have done that if, if they knew the disciples had stolen the body? No, they, they, they expected the body to be there. And here's another thing I didn't talk about last week. John, the, the Apostle John, he sneaks in a little tidbit in his 20th chapter, verse 7, by the way, where he says that when he and Peter ran to the tomb, Peter goes in first, and then John, who's a little more hesitant, he's kind of looking around going, what in the world's going on? The, 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 the stone's not here. There's no soldiers uh, he looks in there, and, and what he says in John chapter 20, verse 7, is that the linen of Jesus that was wrapped around, it was laid there in a pile in the grave. But then he says this, he says, the headscarf that was around the head of Jesus, it was folded up with another place all by itself. Now, have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about that? I mean, there's a tidbit for you. Why, why was... Why was Jesus' linen just piled up and the headscarf was folded up? Well, you know, sometimes it helps to know a little bit of Hebrew tradition. Now, now most of us here are not Jews, right? Might be one or two, but most of us are Gentiles. You're either a Jew or a Gentile in the Bible. So most of us are Gentiles here. Um, and, and, but the, the Jews had all kinds of traditions and I mean, they had traditions for food, traditions for clothes, traditions for this, traditions for that. How many remember Fiddler on the Roof? Uh, if I were a rich man, yibby dibby 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 dum. Right? Remember that one? How about this one? Tradition. Tradition. Come on. One, two, three. Tradition. Yeah. The Jews had traditions. 
Well, this little headscarf that was folded up in the grave, Jesus was sending a message to the disciples. And John, if you look at what he wrote, John believed when he saw that headscarf. You know why? It, it all has to do with uh, it all has to do with the tradition of the masters and the servants in the Jewish home. The servants would uh, make the meal at the table. The master would enter, sit down to eat, and when he was through, he'd take the napkin. And when he was through, he'd stand up and he'd wash his fingers, wipe them off, clean his mouth, his beard. And then um, he'd take his napkin and just throw it on the table and he'd walk off. Now that was a servant's, that was his clue that the master was done with the meal. He'd come out, he'd clean it all up, take care of it, make sure it was back where it should be until the next meal. But if he looked out there, from the side, he always hid in the background, and the napkin was folded up like this, laid on the table. You know what that meant? It meant, don't touch my meal, I'm coming back. Woohoo! Anybody alive out there and breathing? That'll preach. Jesus was leaving a message. I might be gone, but guess what? I'm coming back. And the very next day, he shows up. He shows up. And we talked about that last week, and we're going to read about it this morning. So you got this empty tomb, and I mean, you got all this other stuff that's going on. You got the the resurrection appearance of Jesus, 10 different times, 40 different days, one time to over 500 people. How do you explain that? You've got the radical transformation of the disciples. And we looked at what professors and, and smarter people than me would say on on an ABC News documentary of what they thought about Jesus and the proof of the resurrection. You've got the rapid expansion of the church. How did that? You, there's no way to describe any four of these things unless they're connected together. Then they make all the sense in the world. He is not here, for he is risen, just as he said. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? <laughs> Jesus is alive. That's why we don't sing Lester, Lester, Lester. There's something about that name. No. We sing Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Because there's no name like Jesus. His name, God has given him the name that is above every name. And someday every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus the Christ, the risen Savior, is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And you can start doing that today, by the way, if you want to. Now, um, this morning, I, I want to I lean back and I want to consider what are the odds? Is that the title of my sermon? What are the odds that one man can fulfill all of the messianic prophecies in the Old Testament? What are the odds? Because Jesus fulfills them all. Is, is that even possible? 300 of them, by the way. Now, I, I want to do something I don't normally do. Usually I try to keep my reading shorter, but this, we're, we're talking about the resurrection of Jesus, the greatest event on the, in the history of mankind. And this is the church. And, and I just want to read a little bit more than normal this morning. I want us to get the context, the beauty of the day, of how the disciples did not believe, and all of a sudden, they become believers. 
And the story's told in Luke 24. And so I want to read these verses. And if you will, if you can, if you can't, it's okay. But if you can stand as we read the word of God to honor the word of God, let's stand as we read together. Luke 24, verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women, they took the spices they had prepared and they went to the tomb. And they found that the stone had been rolled away from the tomb. And when they entered it, they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning, they stood beside them. And in their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. Remember how he told you? While he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men. He must be crucified, and on the third day, be raised again. And then they remembered his words. And when they came back from the tomb, they told all of these things to the eleven of the disciples and all the others. It was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them, who told to the apostles... But they did not believe the women because their words, well, they seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, he got up and he ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. And he went away wondering to himself, what what in the world happened here? Now that same day, the same day, Two men were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking to each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself, he came up and he walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. And Jesus asked them, what are you guys discussing together as you walk along? And they stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem and do not know these things that have happened in these days? What things, Jesus said. You know about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. And the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They, they went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. And they came and they told us that they had seen visions of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and they, they found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. And Jesus said to them, How foolish you are, how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory and then beginning with Moses oh I love this part beginning with Moses and all the prophets he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself and then they approached the village to which they were going and Jesus acted if he was going farther and they urged him strongly stay with us for it is nearly evening the day is almost over so he went in to stay with them And when he was at the table with them, 
Catch this. He took bread. He gave thanks. He broke it. And he began to give it to them. What's that remind you of? And then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while we talked well, he talked with us on the road and he opened the scriptures to us and they got up and they returned at once to Jerusalem and there they found the 11 disciples and those with them and they assembled together and they said, it's true, the Lord has risen. He's appeared to Simon. And then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke bread. And while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself, he stood among them and he said to them, peace be to you. Peace be with you. What beautiful words, amen. You need any peace today? Jesus will be your peace. Now they were startled. I mean, you would too if a body came through a wall. And there he was. They're startled. They're frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do, you, why do doubts rise in your minds? Look, look at my hands and my feet. It's me, my, myself. Touch me and see. The ghost doesn't have flesh and bones, as you see I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything to eat here? Sounds like a teenage boy, doesn't it? You guys got anything to eat here? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he, he took it and he ate it into the presence. And I suggested last week he did that because ghosts don't eat. He's proving to them he's the resurrected Savior. Then he opened their minds. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was with you guys. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. And then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. And he told them, this is what is written. The Christ, well, he will suffer. He will rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this. Thank you for seeing that this story so well documented the apostles and those that were there to give us hope that he is not dead, but he is risen, just as he said. And Lord, today some of us need hope. Some of us need faith. Some of us need to see light at the end of the tunnel. And God... You've given us Jesus. He's the only way. And I pray, Lord, you would help all that are searching today to find you. Because, Jesus, you are. You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus, there's really something about your name because of who you are. Now, bless us as we open your word, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So what, what are the odds? I mean, you know there's, there's over 300 predictions, right? We call them prophecies in the Old Testament that tell what's going to happen in the New Testament. I mean, that's everything that Jesus was 
was talking about here. Count them. Three, 300 predictions woven in together, establishing proof that the Messiah would come, that he would die and be dead three days. The detail is, is astounding. These are the credentials of Jesus in the Old Testament. 300 prophecies. I mean, if for no other reason, this would testify to the importance of the Old Testament for us today. I heard of a pastor recently saying, I, I, I think we ought to just forget the Old Testament and just focus on the new. What? The Old Testament tells us what's coming on. Did you know that Augustine, you remember Augustine? Augustine, he made this beautiful statement. He said, in the Old Testament... The New Testament is concealed. In the Old Testament, the New is revealed. So in, in the Old Testament, the New is concealed. In the, in the New, the Old is revealed. We see what's coming down. For instance, for instance, let me just give you a few thoughts. In Micah, hundreds of years before Jesus even came. Chapter 5, check it out, verse 2. Micah himself, he prophesies the Messiah where he would be born. He'd be born in Bethlehem. Matthew, in the New Testament, he picks that up in chapter 2. And he says, Jesus was born. Where? Not in America. Not in California. But in Bethlehem of Judea. Isaiah, the 8th century prophet before Jesus. Hundreds of years before Jesus. He makes this tremendous prediction that the, the, the Messiah would be born of a virgin. Say, What? Chapter 7, verse 14. And, and not only that he'd be born of a virgin, but, but, but this Jesus, that, that he would be born in the region of Galilee. Matthew, he, he testifies to both of these prophecies. He says it's true. He was there. Zechariah. He said that Jesus would enter Jerusalem on the foal of a donkey. Uh, that's the NIV, a foal of the donkey. Um, all four gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all tell this story. By the way, did you realize that uh, most pastors mix their words up every once in a while? So uh, I probably shouldn't tell you this as a confession, but since Pastor Steve's here. Pastor Steve and Berlinda, Steve was on staff with me in, in Idaho Falls. My last three years as a church he preached for me every time I was gone. Sometimes three Sundays in a row. He, would, he'd be, he, he was my man. My dollar a year man on staff. He's a geologist by, by training, but he's a pastor in heart. So he's pastor churches, and, and, and he just happened to be in the area. I said, come to church. So here he is. Steve probably remembers this, Berlinda. I hope you don't. But I'm here to confess my sin. Because it was on Palm Sunday, I was teaching on Jesus coming into Jerusalem on the fold of the donkey. The problem was I got my NIV and my King James mixed up. Now, normally I don't use this word. I certainly wouldn't use it in church. But I told the congregation Jesus came into Jerusalem on the ass of a donkey. And when they chuckled, I, I knew I said something wrong, but I was not going to stop and try to figure it out. The funny thing happened after the service in the lobby. My friends came up to me, Steve, and they said, Pastor, are you sure Jesus was sitting that far back? <laughs> now, I'm just telling you, these prophecies, they go on. I mean, 
In Genesis chapter 3, Jesus is prophesied to be the seed of the woman. In Galatians chapter 3, 16, Paul verifies that. He points out Jesus is the fulfillment of that prophecy. So catch this. I just wrote a few of these things down. He's prophesied he would be betrayed with 30 pieces of silver. Happened or not? Yes, it did. He would be preceded by John the Baptist. Did that happen? Yes, it did. He would remain silent before his accusers. He would die on a cursed tree, but his bones would not be broken. Did that happen? Yes, it's verified. He would be, um, both of his hands and his feet would be pierced. Daniel pinpointed the exact time of his birth in Daniel chapter 9. And the list goes on. Jesus himself. He recognized, now we don't know when this happened. Some say it was 12. Some say it was maybe a little earlier. But at some time, he recognized who he was. He was the son of God. He was the Messiah. Who knows? We, we haven't figured that one out yet. But Jesus prophesied his death. He prophesied his burial. He prophesied that in three days after his death, he would be raised from the dead. Jesus did himself. So you've got to ask the question. I mean, it, it's... If you don't ask it, you're not using your intelligence that God gave you. How? What are the odds? What are the odds that one person, one man, could feel exactly, precisely, 100% all 300 of these prophecies? Would it be one in 100? I mean, we use these phrases, uh, one in 200. How about one in a million? What are the odds that one person could do that? I'm telling you why. Hang on to your seats because it's coming. Here it comes. Enter a man by the name of Peter Stoner. Have you ever heard of Peter Stoner? Uh, Peter Stoner uh, was a mathematician scientist. Steve, you'll love this because Steve was, he was, uh, Steve was educated as a geologist. In fact, you ought to get his new book. I, he doesn't even know. I'm, I'm going to embarrass him right now. He just published a new book. It's about how science verifies the creation of the world according to the scripture. Woohoo! Pretty cool stuff. Pretty cool. I could already lay it down. I'm in the middle of it. And, and, and so here's this guy, Peter Stoner. He's a mathematician. He's an astronomer. Uh, he's teaching at Pasadena City College, just down the hill from Pasadena Nazarene College. Anybody ever been to Pasadena Nazarene College? Anybody go to school there? I'm the only one? I feel all alone up here. Nobody loves me. Oh, I got a couple people down here confessing. Oh, your parents did. Okay, I'm glad. I got a confession out of that woman right down there. So, yeah, right down the hill from Pasadena Nazarene College. And Peter Stoner taught there as a mathematician, as a scientist, as an astronomer. And um, um, he was also chairman of science in, in Westmont College, professor emeritus. I mean, the list goes on. This guy is a genius. He's, he's probably best known as, as writing this book. Um, it's entitled Science Speaks. Anybody read Science Speaks? Science Speaks. Uh, by the way, he died in 1980, so he's not been around for a while. But this book, it rocked the world, Science Speaks. And, and one of the things that a good professor discusses in his books, now are you sitting down here? Because he discusses estimates and calculations and probabilities. He's kind of a bean counter. Anybody, any bean counters out there? Can I see your hands? Yeah. God can save bean counters. Come on, put your hands up. Yeah, yeah. So he, he's one of these guys that he crosses every T, dots, dots every I, uh, Peter Stoner. And 
So probabilities and calculations, that's, I, I, now I know I got your attention, right? Are anybody sleeping? All right, we're still awake. What he does is he takes all these, these little ideas, these, pro, these calculations, he puts them all together in his calculator, and, and he asks the question, what are the odds that any one man could fulfill the 300 prophecies or more in the Bible? What's, what, what are the odds? And here's what he comes up with. He, he comes up with one, uh, followed by one to, with 17 zeros. Can you guys just type that? Oh, look at these guys are with me already. One with 17 zeros. Now, when you look at one with 17 zeros, that, that's 10 to the 17th power. Is that right? Any mathematicians out here? I are not one, but uh, okay, I got a couple there. I see that hand. See that hand? Okay, God bless you. Um, 10 to the 17th power. Now, that, that's, that's the 17, it should say 10 to the 17th power, but it's 17 zeros, count them. So, so now, now that's, he says that's the odd. So let's see. Uh, let's, let's have a little fun. Uh, let's do one with six zeros, okay? One with six zeros would be, what would that be? One with six zeros, anybody know? Ding, the answer is? One million. One million. There it is, the answer, you're right. How about one with, let's go, let's go nine, nine zeros. You got nine zeros? What's nine zeros? A billion, one, one billion. Uh, uh, that's right, you're right. Okay, how about, how about uh, one with uh, 12 zeros? Let's go with 12 zeros. A trillion. Okay, anybody know what one with 17 zeros is? A lot. A trillion, trillion, trillion. How about, bing, the answer is 100. Is it coming? I'm looking for the, oh, there it is. 100 quadrillion. Now that's the odd, Peter Stoner says, that any one person could fulfill all 300 plus prophecies in the Old Testament. In other words, um, to quote one of my favorite movies, it's theological in many ways, Princess Bride, inconceivable, inconceivable. This, guys, put that number back up there, would you? This is astronomically inconceivable. That one person could fulfill all 300 prophecies of the Old Testament that are verified in the New Testament. Now, Stoner, he suggests this. If you would take, can you guys go down to the one where it says 100 quadrillion? I want these guys to get their math lesson well today. To go home because there's going to be a test on this. <laughs> How much time do I have? Okay, I'm good. Um, don't have time for the test this week. Next week we'll have the test. <laughs> Peter Stoner suggested if you take that many 100 quadrillion quarters, or I mean silver dollars, and you, and you take them to the state of Texas, which is what, the second largest state in the United States? And you, you spread these 100 quadrillion silver dollars at 10 to the 17th power all across Texas, they would be two feet high. There it is right there. Is that about two feet? 
about two feet, right there. He says, so spread it out. Now, let's say that, uh, let's say that you take one of these 100 quadrillion silver dollars and paint it red. Let's just paint it red. And, and you get in an airplane and you fly over Texas and you, you drop that red silver dollar in the middle of the other 100 quadrillion. Well, what's 100 quadrillion minus one? Oh, I said it. Okay. Drop it there. And now you take some energetic young buck. You blindfold him. You have him parachute into Texas. And he needs to go find that one red one among the 100 quadrillion. What are the odds? Well, there they are. That's the odds. I mean, that's simple math, right? If you followed me, I realize I'm a theologian slash philosopher, not a, not a mathematician, but I tried to bring it down. It's what I call what I had in college, dumb math, right? Dummy math? No. Dumb, dumb math. Yes, dumb, dumb math. Did anybody ever have that? Can't use that word anymore? Is it not PC? No, I'm just being honest with you. You don't want to pass the lies, do you? Yeah, I, I, I excelled in dumb, dumb math. So if I can explain it to you, you ought to be able to understand it easily. That this is absolutely, unbelievably impossible. That any one person could fulfill the prophecy that Jesus fulfilled. What proof do you need more than that? Last week, we looked at all these proofs for the resurrection. Now, you know, it seems to me, seems to me like uh, the last few years, I have heard it more times than I want to admit, this little phrase... Three words, follow the science. I don't think it's a bad time to start doing that right here, do you? Follow the science of Peter Stoner. In verse 36, Jesus appears to the disciples. In verse 44, he says, guys, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, in the prophets, and the Psalms. This is what is written. The Christ is going to suffer. He's going to rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be the message. Wow. No wonder why we sing Jesus. Jesus. There's, there's, there's something about that name. I'll tell you what it is. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's God with us in the flesh. Emmanuel. So, as we talked about last week, all these doubters, you know, James, the brother of Jesus, embarrassed that Jesus was his brother, watches him die on the cross and is buried. Glad I got rid of him until the next day, and they can't find him. And now, would you like to have seen the shock on James's face when Jesus, his brother, who he saw crucified on a cross, a spear at his side, stand alive before him, and he says to Thomas, doubting Thomas, Thomas, get a little closer, brother. Take your hands, put them right here in my hands. Put your fingers where you wanted. Look at the spear in my side, the hole. Put your hands there. And, and, and you know what Thomas did? He fell on his face. And he cries out, oh, my Lord and my God. 
Well, you're not going to say that to any other person in the world except Jesus, the Messiah, the Lion of Judah, the great I am that I am, the creator of the universe. He is Lord. We used to sing, he is Lord. He is risen from the dead. He is Lord. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Here's what Jesus said. In fact, guys, it's on the screen, I think. Let's put it up there. Jesus looked at doubting Thomas. He said, Thomas, there are those um, who have not seen and failed to believe. You have believed because you've seen. Blessed are those. Blessed are those who have not seen but believe. My friend, that could be you today. If you're not a believer, that could be you. I mean, that's the point of this. It's not about information or entertainment. It's about life transformation. God wants to transform all of our lives by coming into our hearts and making us new. And I'll tell you what, last week blew me away when I saw, I don't know, I couldn't count them all, 45 or 50 people stand and say, I want Jesus as my Lord. That's where the journey begins. And today, I want you to hear this loud and clear. If you are the only one on the face of the earth, if you are the only one who needed salvation, Jesus would have died for you. He would have died for you. And he said, come unto me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. You know that rest is peace. You need some peace, you need some rest. Why don't you turn to him today and say, Lord, I need you in my life. Come into my life. And that scripture I mentioned last Sunday, Jesus says, I stand at your heart's door and I knock. Can you hear him knocking? He says, I stand at your heart's door and I knock. If anybody hears my voice, opens their heart's door, I will come into them and I will have fellowship with them and they with me. That's the beginning of new life in Christ. Jesus Give me life. You can pray that with me right now, right where you are. Lord Jesus, I confess today I'm a sinner. I, I, need, I know I need forgiveness. Would you forgive me, Lord? I confess that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are the risen Savior that has power to forgive me of my sins. Lord, I, I want you as my Savior, and I'll live for you. I will live for you, Lord. Just, just tell them what you feel. He understands your language. And he'll come into your life today and change you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your promise that is so true. Now look at me as we go before Pastor Christina comes and Nathan. The word of God says this. As many as received him, as many of you has received him, To them, he gave the power to become the sons and the daughters of God. He's giving you the power. If you ask Christ to come into your life, you are now a child of God. You are the brother or sister of Jesus the Christ, which makes us brothers and sisters in the Lord. We are now his body, his church, the called out ones. God bless you. And if that's you, by the way, come talk to me. I'd love to chat with you.
I'd love to um, just celebrate what God's done in your life. Don't worry, I won't put the screws to you. I won't twist your arm. I'll just celebrate with you what God's done in your heart and your life. I want to thank you for joining today's sermon podcast. You can find a copy of today's sermon as well as other sermons and the sermon outline from today on our church's website, www.mvcnaz.org. It is my prayer also that you will seek out a church home that recognizes the authority of the Bible.